Welcome to Unconventional Success, where we are rewriting the rules for female solopreneurs. I'm your host, Tiffany Dawson, a business and mindset coach. I help women who value freedom to earn the income they need to facilitate the lifestyle they want. I'll share interviews with successful female founders and my own tips on how to build a bulletproof mindset, make your own rules for your reality, and think strategically about your business so you can earn free-flowing revenue while spending quality time with your family. Remember, you can do life and business in a totally unconventional way and be wildly successful at the same time. The only person you need permission from is you. Hey, Olivia, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being a part of it. How are you? Good. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Oh, good. I'm so glad you're here. Now, you are our first copywriting expert that we've got on the show. So I'm really excited to delve into your expertise and knowledge because I know you've got so much to share with the listeners in terms of your skills, but also your own business journey as well. But before we get stuck in, if you could give yourself a quick introduction to get the listeners up to speed on who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Olivia Scheibel-Reiter. I know that's a bit of a mouthful. I'm half Irish, half Austrian. I grew up in both countries and I'm the founder of Say It Right. We're a writing agency for tech and SaaS companies based in Vienna in Austria. And we mainly work with yeah, tech companies in the Dach region and provide content writing and copywriting services for them. My background is in business, in entrepreneurship and international marketing. I spent my early career in the startup scene and then founded the company four years ago. And we work with big brand clients like Kaleido, who's part of Canva, or Mondi Paper Packaging Company. Amazing. Thanks so much for that. And I guess I, before we get started on your entrepreneurship journey, because I'm really interested in that, I'd like to know a bit more about what was life like before entrepreneurship? Did you have a role model growing up who was a business owner or, you know, were you always interested in becoming a business owner? How did that start for you? I don't know if there was a specific role model, but I think I knew very early on that I wanted to start my own business. I remember on the day of my graduation saying to one of my teachers, I'm going to get a job now, but my long-term goal is to own my own business and and have a dance school on the side, which hasn't become reality yet. But I think I knew very early on I wanted to kind of pave my own path in life. Yeah. So, and role model-wise, I think I've had quite a few more recently, it's female role models, Melanie Perkins from Canva. So all the female entrepreneurs, I think, are <laughs> are definitely influencing me right now. But of course, I worked with a lot of startups throughout the years. And honestly, all of those founders inspired me as well to kind of see their journey and how they created products. And uh, yeah, also my clients now are sources of inspiration for me. Yeah, amazing. I, I love how you kind of had so many different avenues for for role models, whether that is people in your direct life, so people who you used to work with in startups, or even Melanie Perkins, unless you know her personally. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I wish I did. She's such a cool woman, but 
I would like to mention one more role model, I think, which has been the biggest, actually, and I always underestimated until more recently. It's my dad, actually. He's always been entrepreneurial in his life, kind of has a business on the side and has always been a go-getter and a doer. Yeah, he's been in real estate for quite some time. So I think I have it from him as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's a huge one growing up with that role model. We always underestimate how much watching our parents has an effect on how we think about certain things in life. So for you, it was watching your dad being quite entrepreneurial, having side hustles all the time and and being a go-getter. So you learn that, that business mentality from him. I was speaking to one of my coaching clients last week and she had this huge realization that her own mum has been a huge inspiration to her because her own mum always played down her abilities. She was always, you know, the stay-at-home mum and then she kind of had to start her own driving instructor school. You know, she started teaching kids how to drive on the side to, to make ends meet at home. And she never thought of that as having a business role model. But now that she's starting to build her own business, she's realized, oh Mm. my goodness, like (laughs) I'm now doing what my mom's doing. She had to go through so much to get to where she was. So interesting that you brought that up. Okay. So you started in the startup scene. How did you move to entrepreneurship? Actually, it was more so interest that led me to a small startup in based in Vienna they, called All I Need. And I basically started promoting their drinks as a side job while I was studying in college. And that was my first touch point, actually, with a so-called startup being sold a super small team. I was kind of already given a lot of responsibility just because there was not a lot of people And that kind of inspired me to have a look at entrepreneurship. And then it came into specializing. So I was doing like a general business admin course. So you had to choose a specialization and entrepreneurship was one of them. And honestly, I felt a bit lost at college before I found this specialization because it was way more hands-on and way more like street smart thinking. It was a lot more applying just, yeah a normal thinking rather than learning something off by heart in a book and then I started actually blogging as a hobby I started applying to other startups writing content for them on the side during my college experience so I it was kind of a step-by-step process but it was just kind of led by my interest once I left college actually just before I finished I became the community manager for the UK at Spock Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Like secondhand, secondhand store, online store. Yeah. And then actually I also wrote my bachelor thesis about another startup in Sweden called Natural Cycles. They're actually quite big now. They have yeah. an app for natural contraception. And that kind of came out of a personal interest. I stopped taking the pill. I was looking for alternatives. I was like, there has to be some startups innovating in this field. And at the time when I actually found them, they were super small or not as well known as they are now. I wrote my thesis about them. And then I got another job as content manager at Natural Cycles in Stockholm for a year and a half. I think I was always just inspired by new products, people innovating, trying to change the world, you know, trying to make it 
I don't know, bring bring products into the world that change the future, basically. I'm a very future-driven person. I always took the initiative to reach out to these companies, like even the very first promotion job, I was handing out drinks. It was a very basic job, but I reached out to them. I was like, hey, you have a cool product. Are you looking for anyone to do work for you? So, yeah, I don't know. It was just a step-by-step thing, and yeah. I've loved it and I've stayed in the tech innovation scene ever since. That's amazing. I love that you really just followed your interests and you put yourself forward. This is such a huge mistake I see women specifically make. If they want something, they just wait for it to happen to them. From a very young age, you you just thought, okay, well, I'm interested in that. I'm going to ask what opportunities are there. And even if it's just handing out drinks, at least I get exposure to these people. And this is probably something we can still learn from today as entrepreneurs who've been in business for a few years now. It's really easy to just sit back and be like, oh, look at those entrepreneurs winning all these awards or getting invited to be on podcasts. No, a lot of the time you have to nominate yourself or say, hey, I'm interested. You know, I love listening to your podcast. Could I be a guest on it? Right. Yeah. And that takes kind of a bit of courage and vulnerability. But I've found most of the opportunities you have to ask for what you want. Mm -hmm. As you said, nobody's going to just come with a silver platter and and hand it to you. And often if you do ask, you're often welcomed with open arms because people love to work with other people that are just motivated to work with you my first full-time hire Pallavi on my team she actually reached out to me on LinkedIn and I think that's the first um, kind of sign that this person is motivated and Mm. and wants to do something so yeah I definitely am an advocate for asking for what you want and kind of setting the first step and reaching out. Sometimes it's just that fear of rejection, isn't it? But if you think about it in logical terms, what is the worst thing that would happen? Yeah, maybe your ego gets a little bit bruised, but that's it. And actually, even if you do get rejected, sometimes even just making that connection of asking and putting yourself forward at least puts you on that person's radar because imagine if you never started a conversation with them at all they would never even know you existed so yeah always worth thinking about that so you were working in a load of different startups writing content on the side for other people's blogs and and company websites when did you when did you start your business, Say It Right? And also, I love the name, Say It Right. How you know? How did you start? How did you come up with the name? Tell me everything. But I started Say It Right pretty much exactly four years ago. How did I end up there? Well, basically, I was working at the last startup, Natural Cycles, in, in Sweden. And I actually, I really liked my role there but the environment changed quite quickly as it does in a startup plus it was just on a personal level very hard to keep it up because I was having a long distance relationship it's crazy because nowadays everyone can work remotely but at that time it wasn't possible so it was more a personal decision I decided to come back and then I started freelancing and doing like part-time jobs and it was kind of a phase where I was like 
I don't know exactly what the next step is. So I tried one or two part-time jobs, something completely different in real estate and then for a political party, actually. And I quickly realized, okay, this is not working out whatsoever. Oh, that's a huge change. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's also important to to know when you're, you're not in the going in the right direction. So I was like, okay, this is not working out. And then I was like, okay, I don't see myself going full-time into a, a company. Let's start say it right. And the name, I honestly don't know where it came from, but it just popped into my head. And I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. You know, it's easy to remember. Then I checked domains and stuff. I mean... There's the Nelly Furtado song, but other than that, there's not a lot of companies in, the, in that niche. So I was like, okay. In the beginning, I also offered a, a lot more in content marketing. Now I've more so niched on the writing side of things, but I still think it really reflects what we do because great writing is conversational writing and writing like you speak and in an active voice i started with the canva logo on a laptop and you don't really need much else and i just started with actually one linkedin posting i kind of said sent out to my network with selfie and i was like i'm back in vienna i'm freelancing looking for jobs and one of my first clients user brain who i'm still in touch with and i still work on and off with reached out and yeah that's basically how I started and in the first kind of year I was on my own then actually my mom started working with me within the company as proofreader but I was alone for for quite some time and then last year I decided to to venture out and, and start hiring a team a little bit amazing I mean let me know if it felt simple or not but I love how simple you made it sound it's like just started with a laptop check the domain it sounds super simple but no that's not really I mean I think you really suppressed the, the tough bits I think what I struggled with most in the beginning was being alone and things like that I went into a co-working space and that kind of made things a bit easier yeah, I think you can focus on the things that move me forward and, and you can simplify the strategy, but obviously there's a lot of things that went wrong as well or, yeah. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. I wanted to let you know that you can book in a powerful 75 minute strategy session with me to focus on hitting your revenue targets without those sleazy sales tactics. Are you someone who has a clear product suite and is confident with content creation, but really struggles with selling with authenticity? Or do you have goals of hitting 10K months, but you're unsure of how to do that with your current product suite? Or maybe you're sick of spending heaps of time and effort posting content without knowing if it's going to attract clients or not. In Resonate, this strategy session will bring that focus and direction you need to move the needle forward. I'll leave the link to book in the show notes. And if you have any questions, send me a DM on Instagram at Tiffany Dawson underscore. Now back to the conversation. Yeah. Would would you be able to share an example of something that went wrong? I think one of the biggest things I messed up in the beginning was offering too much to too many people I was like okay we're doing copywriting for everyone and 
everything and then I actually worked with a mentor she kind of said you know you should position yourself a bit more in a niche so then I kind of fine-tuned my messaging towards tech companies and then one of the mistakes I made was I was offering German and English whereas German wasn't really my strength but I kind of felt like I had to do it I worked with freelancers it worked quite well, sometimes I think the biggest mess up in the beginning I, I did there was I worked with one client. I wasn't transparent that I had a freelancer in the background, like doing I the see. work. I mean, yeah, most clients would actually be fine with it. I think it was just I was too young and not confident enough in my capabilities. I think it's totally fine to work with freelancers in the background, but I wasn't upfront about it. That was kind of one of the biggest mistakes. Plus, it wasn't my strength. So the quality of work we were delivering wasn't top notch. And high quality is why our clients book us. And it's one of my most important values. So that was one of the things. Yeah. More recently, I would say was hiring, not hiring the wrong person, because in the beginning I thought it was the right person, but also just leaving it go on for too long. And I pretty much can tell now in the aftermath, it was people pleasing tendencies, just kind of putting my own values on the back bench, like trying to make it work where I already knew for a long time it wasn't working. Mm. And it took me hearing it from other entrepreneurs. I'm doing like a group kind of mastermind with other entrepreneurs. And I had told them about the struggle with, with one of my employees. And one of them just looked at me and she was like, you're so unhappy this is not right you should be happy in your business and I could tell as well like emotionally it was just so draining for me I think that's also something most entrepreneurs go through especially when when you're building the team for the first time yeah absolutely there's so much to unpack there so from from those two examples it sounds like there's a common theme that literally every entrepreneur goes through as well myself included which is thinking that you should do something or you should do something a certain way and then realizing that doesn't work for me so in that first example you felt like you had to offer German because you maybe because of your location or, or because you are able to speak both languages. You just felt like you had to be everything to everyone. Mm. And maybe you saw other people do it before who were in your situation. So you felt like you should do that. But actually through that experience that you had and noticing what your values are, so one of them is high quality, that you couldn't offer that with German copywriting. So you cut that. And then same goes with that second example of, feeling like because you hired this person, you should keep them on. It was almost, you know, you mentioned the term people pleasing. I should, I should keep her on. I've invested this much time and effort in her already. You know, it's the right thing to do this. But actually when you opened up about it to other people, it suddenly became obvious to you. It's just that 
you don't work well together in this specific yeah. business. Yeah. And therefore the best thing for both of you is really just to part ways. Let's switch tack for a little bit now and talk a bit more about your expertise as a copywriter. What do you think the biggest mistakes are when it comes to their social media posts or writing blog posts themselves for their own businesses? What What are some big mistakes that you see out there? Yeah, I think the biggest mistakes I see when people are writing is that they write like they used to write at university, you know, and no fault to them because you often, you do a lot of your writing academically and it's very formal and citations are needed. It's, It's very different to marketing copy and to sales copy. So that's one of the biggest things which ends up being super formal, clunky, just not very engaging. The second thing is overcomplicating and not getting to the point fast enough. Writing too long, not being brave enough to cut out, to edit your own work. So when you write a piece, you you have to be radical with yourself. You, you need to notice yourself repeating things throughout and and cutting out half of it. I might write a piece and I might end up cutting half of the social media posts because I'm like, this doesn't need to be there or even half the sentence. Yeah, that's yeah. painful though, isn't it? When you spent so much time crafting something and I think that's a huge skill and ability in itself to have spent your time and effort and poured your heart into writing a piece, but having the courage to cut yeah. out half of it or like really be very brutal because I guess people's attention spans are so short these days. Like yeah. it's just getting shorter and shorter. And if you don't get to the point quick enough, you know, within the first couple of sentences, if people aren't drawn in, no. then yeah. you've lost them. They've gone on to the next blog post or the next social media post. Yeah. And, and the point you made at the start about you know, writing in too formal a way, because this is how we've all been trained for years and years at school, university for, you know, 15, 20 years, we've been trained to to write this way. And even if you have worked in corporate, again, for another, maybe for me, it was like eight or nine years working in a, writing in a very formal sense. Yeah. And then suddenly you've got to write in a very casual, friendly way, so I think the way that I have learned to do that is to, if I've typed something, I say it back out aloud. And if it sounds stupid, yeah. then I'll go and edit it. Or, you know, I know I have some friends who actually, they will record themselves and, yeah. you know, how Google or whatever can kind of like auto type what you've said. They'll just use that um, instead of typing it out. So that that seems more natural to them. Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite tips. So amazing to hear you're already using it. And it's how I often work as well. It's basically I read it out loud and like talking to my screen or the other way around. If you can't think of something to write, you start talking and just start talking about the topic or like recording yourself talking about the topic. And then afterwards you start typing and then it's easier to have that conversational tone of course it depends on what niche you're working in just how informal and conversational you write but in general it's easier to digest and yeah for sure 
Are there any other big mistakes that you see out there or, or tips that you would share for female solopreneurs who are kind of trying to promote their own businesses? So one of the biggest mistakes companies or our solopreneurs make is that they make it a lot about themselves and they forget about the audience and who you're actually talking to. And here again, I would encourage you to have a bit of a more radical mindset like to be like people don't give a shit about you <laughs> as you said you know our attention spans are tiny eight seconds uh, people say they don't really care about you and your background they do maybe in the aftermath but primarily they care about their needs and their pain points so whatever they're struggling with at the moment I think that's something people also kind of make the mistake of and I actually create kind of a strong baseline with my clients at the very beginning when we start working together we create a tone and style guideline where we go through all of these basics and you ask yourself kind of the basic questions about what are my goals who's my audience you know, what kind of words and phrases do we want to use? Do we want to use this synonym or this synonym? And what's the story of the company and how do we want to communicate that? And setting that strong baseline is often a, a, a step people skip. Mm -hmm. But at the latest, you need to ask yourself those questions when you're writing your website copy because you have all of the most important things in there. And if you've ever written website copy yourself, it's incredibly difficult because you have to ask yourself those really important questions before you kind of dive in. So I think that's another tip is to to maybe take a step back before you actually start writing and, and, and ask yourself those questions and set the baseline with the tone and style guideline. Uh, we actually just launched a template for that, which people can create their own. But of course, we also do it as kind of the setup with our clients. I wrote down some other tips. So yeah, active voice, that's basically when you talk to the readers. If you say you're struggling with leading a team, that's using active voice. So using words and language that talks directly to the reader also having an engaging tone and style as we already mentioned usually that means a more conversational style people just feel like more of a person and they're not being talked down to then also consistency is super important so try and find you know consistent messaging you want to push so for instance, we always mention that this helps you rank on Google. This is kind of a, a phrase we use in, in, in the context. So you have certain phrases that you drive home several times. So if you're talking about your service in a blog post later, you use similar phrasing. So it's not completely different. That confuses the reader. The same goes for buttons on your website so if you say shop here it should be shop up on top things like that I think that's a huge one in terms of you know consistency in in driving home a message is the phrase you said because I think if if you are writing your own copy it often feels like you are repeating yourself again and again and it feels like oh my goodness like my audience are going to get so sick of hearing this or I feel really weird saying that I've got something that they can buy again and again and again. 
but I have experimented with this myself where say I've got a new lead magnet for, for people to go and download or a new service, I'll literally repeat myself again and again saying, I've got this lead magnet for free. You can download it here. And literally two weeks into me repeating this same message, I'm still getting people who have followed me the entire time who are now downloading the lead magnet. So it's like sometimes people don't have time the first time they read it to action, whatever you're asking them to, they might not even see it because we don't see all of the social media posts that come through or they might read half of it and haven't got to the point where you say you've got something for them to download so yeah definitely don't be afraid of of repeating yourself is something that I've had to learn as well yeah and I guess that comes back to the point that people don't give as much of a shit about you that as you think because they might not see the first post etc etc I think of course People will get sick of it at some stage, um, but really driving home the message time and time again, it, it does make sense. What we're also doing at the moment is we're taking a certain time frame where we're talking about a certain aspect of our services. So we basically have one month to talk about tone and style guide, for instance, and we try and drive home the same message in different packages for for some time so I think that's that's a good tip as well and my one thing that people underestimate as well is kind of the visuals of the copy so I also consider consider this a part of copywriting is formatting and actually looking looking at it at the end and seeing you know how scannable is this how easy is it to read using bullets bolding making sure you have the main messages in the headline and not at the bottom of the paragraph, just making sure that it's scannable because nowadays a lot of people will scan the text first and see what they're interested in and then dive deeper into the topics. If you're writing something like a long blog post, we also add like a table of contents so people can skip to the section that they want to write, read. And yeah, so Looking at it visually as well is super important and testing the copy where you're going to see it. So um, the context of your copy is super important as well. I always test, especially web copy, you need to see it in the design to see how it works visually. So do you mean by that like seeing it on a computer screen and then looking at it on your phone? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, but uh, before that, I think not just writing it in a Google Doc, but yeah, putting it into the design to see mm-hmm. what it will look like. Or let's say a LinkedIn post, you write it on Notion or in a Google document, and then you paste it into the into the post in LinkedIn and you will see, okay, it looks a bit different now. Now I want to change it. Yeah. So including this testing, visual testing process while you're writing make sense and seeing the context of where the copy is going to be that's super important for the messaging as well so if you have a collaboration with someone and they're like okay can you send us a paragraph describing your company you're going to want to ask them where is it going to be like where are people going to see it because otherwise you're you don't know if what you're writing is actually relevant and people often under 
underestimate the importance of context. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you said there about the formatting and how scannable it is, depending on what type of content it is, is so important. The thing that we always forget as entrepreneurs is to actually think about how, like, how do I take in content? When I read a blog post, do I literally sit there and read it from start to finish like that? You know, do you personally go and read the last paragraph to see what it's about? And then you think, oh, okay, it's actually worth reading. Or do you like to read blog posts where it's got subtitles and bullet points so you can see, okay, these are the sections I'm going to learn about. And then I'll, I'll go back to the start. So that's an amazing tip. Yeah, I think those are the most important ones. And then, of course, you offer copywriting services for businesses. I know from working with some of my clients that they're often reluctant to pass that over because I think, especially as a solopreneur who started as a small business who is now at that point where they're scaling enough to get a copywriter in, because they've written all the copy themselves in their own tone of voice and they've had complete control over it, then handing that over to someone else can feel quite daunting. So I guess mm. what what would you like to say to those people who are kind of feeling challenged about handing over their copywriting but feels like actually it is the right thing to do? Yeah, I think, I mean, it can be daunting. My first tip is to find the right person for you that is in line with your tone and style or can adapt to it well. Definitely take a look at their samples and their portfolio. You also have to like them as a person because you still do have to work with them. You won't be able to just pass it off and, and not do anything at all. You definitely have to be involved in the briefing process, but of course you will have get most of the work off your plate. So instead of I don't know, writing a blog post for five or six hours, you will have to have a briefing for half an hour max. So you won't be able to hand over everything. You have to give a really great briefing. Take a look at their samples, what kind of companies or clients they've they've worked with before. And in the end, it is a, a trust thing. Also, they should have samples in your niche. And if if they don't have exactly in your niche they should be a type of copywriter who can learn quite quickly maybe you can even do sample work with them if you're unsure and a step in between if you don't want to hand it over you can of course just hire someone to to edit or do like the pre-research etc but it makes sense if you want to get more time yeah and and and, and focus on other things it definitely makes sense you also need to have a copywriter who has like a process in place, who knows kind of how to get the most out of working together. So we have a monthly content planning meeting where we always, we discuss the briefings with our clients and we discuss uh, feedback they might have, etc. And setting that baseline in the very beginning, the tone and style guideline is super important. So also watch out you know, for how the copywriter works and, and make sure that in the end, they actually like write the copy the way you want them to write it. But of course, it completely depends on what level of copywriting you're, you're at. So it might make sense to outsource some of it or all of it. That's a really good point. Like, I think we often think 
even before researching or, or talking to a copywriter, we think, okay, it's, we're going to have to be ready to give it all over. But you've, you said that there's different levels. You might not need the whole shebang. You might just need someone to do the research or, or to finish off. So edit your, your posts or maybe a type of your content you can give over. So just your social media or just your articles that you write on your website. So that's a really good point there. Yeah. And so what we've done before with solopreneurs, for instance, I've done like live copy editing. So they've written the copy themselves and then we go in or I go in and edit it live with them. That's, of course, more budget friendly as well. So it completely depends on what stage of the business you're at. I always recommend and that's how our services are set up basically is we write long form content so blog content and then you can once you have that strong baseline piece you can go away and repurpose it so you could also hire a social media manager or copywriter to repurpose what you've written if you still want to keep it on your desk mm. and and you don't want to hand it over completely but we're writing these long form blog content pieces for our clients we make sure that it's in line with their tone and style by doing a guideline and a workshop in the beginning to kind of set that baseline and then also having one meeting a month to kind of get their feedback and things like that. Yeah. What you also need to keep in mind if you are outsourcing, it's never going to be here you go and we never have contact again. So yeah. <laughs> you do still need to invest a little bit into the relationship. It will cut your, down your time significantly, but you still need to show up for briefings and feedback. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's pretty much hiring a team member to write your copy for you, right? You know, it's not yeah. just, okay, here you you do everything, but you have to involve them. They have to have contact with you to, to get the most out of it. Yeah. And the better the briefing, the better, better the content. Okay. I would <laughs> love to quickly touch on your experience in a mastermind. I'm personally very interested in this because I am about to join a mastermind myself in a couple of weeks time. So that Ooh. will be my, well, I've been in group coaching programs before, but this time it will only be female entrepreneurs. Before we started recording, you mentioned that at the end of last year, you were going through a couple of challenges where you felt really isolated and that made you decide to reach out to other entrepreneurs. Could you tell us a bit more about that? It was more chance that a contact of mine was starting this group coaching mastermind, but it started out with the realization that I am quite isolated and I started going more to networking events again kind of being more active also reaching out to older contacts on LinkedIn so I love using LinkedIn to stay in touch I had set the goal to have like a coffee with another entrepreneur once a month and, and things like that so just kind of being active within your niche again because um, it can be so easy as a business owner to feel so alone because after working in corporate for eight or nine years, no matter how tough things are going at work or how stressful it is, there's always someone sitting next to you, going through it with you, or you've got the same boss to complain about. But as a business owner, you pretty much have no one. So meeting other entrepreneurs who get 
it because your your friends who work in employed places they don't 100 percent understand your challenges you can talk to them about it and they'll be supportive but it's nothing like speaking to another entrepreneur is it yeah and i think the game changer as well as to talk to entrepreneurs who are ahead of you who might have already gone through certain stages. I went to Web Summit in November. I met actually my tax consultant who used to be my mentor and she's way ahead of me. Like she's 12 years in business and then other colleagues who have a startup and basically just hearing their journeys and how they scale their business is just super, super valuable. And then, yeah, I basically, I got in touch over an event and she said, you know, I'm starting this group coaching. I I want to match female entrepreneurs who are at similar levels, not necessarily entry point, because I find it very easy to find entry-level entrepreneurs at events, but you really want to get with people who are at your level or above to kind of get advice for yourself. Of course, I love giving advice as well, but to yeah you kind of want some yourself you could really see in the first session everybody was like so relieved (laughs) like I have someone to talk to about my thing everyone had like a sigh of relief because yeah I think we can also fall into the trap of trying to keep this front of like I have all my ducks in a row in in my business but you always have the next challenge that's coming up so once you've mastered one thing you you know business throws something else at you but it was just such a relief to hear their experiences and basically what we did was you just shared your current challenge within your business then there was like a round of clarifying questions to get more background on the challenge and then there was a round of feedbacking and giving advice based on their own experience or maybe experience of, of close entrepreneurs around in, in their field. And that, that's that been a game changer. Your problems seem very big when they're just your own. And it was also amazing to be amongst female entrepreneurs because we have very, very unique challenges that men don't. Although, I, you know, a lot of male entrepreneurs have been super supportive, but there's just certain aspects in particular family planning aspects that they don't have as much yeah confrontation with and uh, yeah it was amazing to just have that exchange and to also see where you're at in business and also giving and taking advice it's, it's super nourishing for the soul yeah absolutely and i guess in those situations you get so much exposure to how different entrepreneurs run their businesses, how they fit it into the lifestyles that they have. I'm sure you met women there who have created so much freedom in their lives that maybe you you didn't even realize that freedom could come in that form in, in life and business. Like, for example, for me, I was, I was kind of forced into almost working three days a week due to childcare. So I I was working four days a week and because of something to do with my husband's work childcare policy. So they basically used to give us 
childcare tax-free. So we'd pay it through his salary and then he wouldn't have to pay tax. But then they cut mm-hmm. that scheme and therefore I needed to work three days a week in order to make back that amount of money that we were losing. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, oh, this is so unfair. Like just because I'm the woman and I've got my own business and I'm able to be flexible. My husband has a full-time job. This feels really unfair. So this is like the type right, of stuff that's, that... Yeah. that a lot of men probably wouldn't have gone through before, but a lot of female entrepreneurs would have gone through before. So yeah, at the start, I hated that because it felt like it was forced upon me. But then after a while, because I was able to make my business work in that amount of time, and I actually really enjoyed having that extra day a week with my son, it then felt like a form of freedom I didn't even know was possible. Like I didn't even think, I could create a really thriving business in three days a week. And I was actually doing better doing three days a week than four days a week because I was more efficient with my time. I was more intentional. So yeah, I am sure that meeting all of these amazing women would open your eyes to all the different possibilities that you have in life and business as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's super interesting how how you've, yeah created your business around family life as well I think it's it's super interesting and yeah no it was very empowering as well to have that exchange and to also have those things acknowledged because as I said I think there is unique struggles as a female business owner which you don't necessarily face as as males we're fighting for it of course and it's about this like negotiation at home as well but yeah yeah it's it's always this push and pull of you know obviously feminism has gotten us so far we're able to create our own businesses and make our own money but then it comes with the push and pull of oh but I actually really want to spend time with my family and how can I make that work so yeah all of this really complex stuff that yeah I don't I mean I'm sure men have it to a certain degree but nowhere nowhere near as much so that's really interesting We've covered so much today and I'm so thankful for you sharing so openly about your own journey and your copywriting tips and how to work with a copywriter and find a suitable copywriter for us. If you were to leave one piece of advice for female entrepreneur, what would be your best piece of advice? You don't have to do it alone. I think statistics-wise, most female-founded companies are actually solopreneurs I think taking the leap to get team members on board was a huge step and I also got a lot of feedback like oh that's so so brave and it was it was hugely challenging for me but now I'm also seeing where it's taking the business in, in some aspects which is fantastic and also getting those mentors and also other entrepreneurs into your life to support you even you if you are the sole founder yeah but it's still something I'm I'm working on but I think that's the biggest advice I need right now and I think it's probably the biggest advice every female entrepreneur needs right now especially after the pandemic yeah absolutely you don't have to do it alone and even if you're not at a point or you don't have the type of business where you would hire in team members you you still don't have to do it alone so you know reaching out to masterminds or coaches or even just other people on LinkedIn who have done it before 
And maybe you do hire in help in the form of a copywriter or someone who can help you build your website or do the tech for your email sequences or even things outside of work. Like um, for me, the biggest, the most effective hire that I've made is a house cleaner because, you know, although that's got nothing to do with my business, it takes a load of time off. And also that mental load of, oh, I've got to do this now. I've got to clean that. So yeah, have a think of what, what are some really creative ways that you can hire and help or not do it alone? Really amazing. I love that piece of advice. Thank you so much for sharing. Where can people find you? And if they want to work with you, what's the best way to get in contact? Yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Olivia Scheibel Writer. Maybe we I'll can leave the link, link in the show in notes. <laughs> it's a bit complicated. I got the Austrian, my dad's Austrian name. I'd love to stay connected there. I think it's a fantastic place to stay connected. You can hop on over to our website, sayitright.co, and check out our services there or, or get in touch. Amazing. And yeah, I guess if you enjoyed listening to this episode or you've had some big aha moments or you've got any questions, like definitely get in touch with both Olivia and I. We're very happy to hear what you thought. One more thing, I would like to offer a discount code to the listeners. Amazing. We just launched the Tone and Style Guide template and instead of 299 euros, it would be 99 euros amazing that's a huge offer if you want to set the baseline for your your copywriting moving forward it's basically a notion template and a video tutorial where i walk you through on how to fill it out so you can kind of set the baseline for your written brand amazing that sounds so needed and Mm -hmm. a step you know as we mentioned before a step that so many entrepreneurs miss because we're so you know we're just like we need to get the next piece of copy out but actually spending a little bit of time investing that time beforehand can probably save you so much more time in the future as well so thank you so much for that generous offer yeah I'll leave the link to everything in the show notes there and thanks for today and I hope to speak to you soon thank you bye-bye bye I hope you enjoyed today's episode If you did, I'd be so grateful if you could help me spread the word that this podcast is here to help other female solopreneurs just like you. Please give this podcast show a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe if you'd like to see when future episodes come out. If you have any questions about the topic spoken about today, I'm always happy to answer your questions. Come and find me over on Instagram at Tiffany Dawson underscore and shoot me a DM. I'd love to help. Until next time, take care.